he'd always drop what he was doing to make you know people happier. Holy shit, that's spicy. <laughs> Yeah, you loaded it on, dude. <laughs> well, I didn't realize it was that devastating. Whoa! It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show. James Van And the world's only food podcast recorded in a car is... Parked on Halstead Street, one block north of Lake, Jason Novak of so many things uh, is sitting next to me. I guess as it relates to timeliness and newsworthiness, uh, the man behind the Cold Waves Festival. Right on. Uh, but musically, I mean, your name's on a whole big list of bands. I came to know you through Acumen Nation, but you've also done so much other stuff. DJ AccuCrack. True. Yeah, and recently uh, a band called Cocksure with uh, Chris Connolly. And then even more recently, a band called uh, Vampire Anvil. And then there's Czar, the progressive metal trio that's taking a little break right now. But yeah. Get, I remember Czar, mid-aughts. Yeah, get, get bored and try something new and have some fun with it. If you like Russian leaders and you like rock and roll, you'll love Czar. Hey. That's was, the elevator pitch. We, got, we went on tour with Killing Joke in 2013, and that will go down as a bucket list moment for sure. I bet. So the reason why we're parked on Halstead Street, uh, while the sun is still out and we're getting strange looks, uh, <laughs> it's taco night. Semitas Puebla. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a location on Armitage, like Logan Square-ish. And here we are, downtown Fulton Market. This is a dangerous stretch. Uh, Fullerton, uh, Fulton, uh, you've got glazed and infused donuts. you got that uh, chicken place, that fried chicken place. Gus's Chicken. Gus's. The Publican. All of it. So we went to Semitas Puebla. Semitas is... That's sandwich, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you got yourself what kind of uh, semita? An arabe. It's a spicy pork spit-roasted uh, sand. Uh, the meat is spit-roasted with citrus and spices, and uh, it's put on a sandwich. And I got a couple of, or I got dos, tacos pollo. That would be chicken tacos. That's very that's good. Right. So I thought we'd break open the food, and let's talk a little bit about cold waves as we eat. Okay. This is a densely packed bag. I mean, feel that. It's like a dwarf star is in that Very bag. Good. Mm-hmm. And they've got the Day of the Dead imprint on the paper bag. I was impressed. I mean, you, you open a, f- a food joint on that stretch of Fulton, you can expect the prices to be out of control, but those were not bad. So, Says kudos. the man who didn't pay. Well, you know. <laughs> I, I was sheepishly pulling money out of my pocket. You were. No, you, you gave it a good effort. I appreciate that. <laughs> Alright, this is clearly... Okay, now hang on. As we talk about the value... Oh, wait. Are those your tacos? These, if these are my tacos, I give up. Wait, I think these are. Uh-oh. Here is your semita. All right, so that's where all the... That's uh, where the density well, comes from. We'll see. Uh, the tacos are from my wrist to my top knuckle. In yeah, length. those are small. These are small. And they're... Okay, so wrist to top knuckle, high. And I bet they... Go across my hand lengthwise. Well, maybe they're packed with flavor, and that's, you know, I that's, need to eat better. I need yeah. to eat less. This is so a message. Maybe that'll help you. Oh, and I'm looking at a massive amount of bread and bun. Oh yeah, that is a carb fest. You got oh guacamole on there. Yeah, have some napkins. Oh, thank you. Now, these are uh, to use the vernacular. These are poquito. Muy muy poquito. Totes poquito. <laughs> All right, so cold waves. Here's something that started. From a position of absolute darkness and sadness. True. Give us some background. Well, and uh, as you mentioned, I've been in a 
bunch of bands, and all of them have been based out of Chicago, and almost all of them have been with a, a good friend of mine named Jamie Duffy, who passed away in 2012, surprisingly, and he was a he was a really well-loved sound engineer and musician all across the kind of metal and industrial electronic scenes. He worked at House of Blues and Covey Bear, and uh, he went on tour, did sounds. I mean, he sound for everybody, and he was just one of the hard, most hardworking, humble people that you've ever met. And he was my partner in Acumen and AccuCrack and a bunch of other things. And uh, after he passed away, suddenly in 2012, we we just we had we we knew that his mother was grieving and didn't have a lot of money for funeral expenses. And a lot of the his bandmates would call and email and just said, "We're devastated. Is there anything we can do? I, I just can't believe this happened." So I came up with an idea to get all the bands here, and uh, you know, Bottom Lounge was kind enough to help us put this together give us the room for a decent price and within a month we had 14 bands booked and ready to play on uh, I think it was September 7th and we pulled it all off in one night and the feeling in the room was just you know it was sad but it was it was a triumphant moment because you know in Jamie's passing he brought together a lot of people who hadn't spoken in years a lot of shitty grudges were buried and you know a scene that was sort of on its respirator in Chicago found in my opinion some new life and uh, the the sold out room of people said you've got to you got to run with this you have to you know people a lot of people felt that it was something we should continue doing which at that moment was really hard to even envision like yeah well I don't think so and then it slowly just started to grow the idea of like let's try this again and then we moved it to Metro moved it to two nights and lost a bunch of money and then <laughs> you know instead right, of stop there because that's, that's a good point to stop and I do want you to uh, enjoy some of your Samita mm-hmm. I will say my, my poquito taco is very good. It's delicious. I need about 50 of them. These are like the equivalent of White Castle sliders. I need, I need like a crate of them in order to leave here full. Yeah, I've got a lot of bread here, but it's it's okay. Looks good. good. All right, so I mentioned losing money. I, I love the spirit of where this came from, the reasons, and how it all came together. I've never put together something like this. I can only imagine the minutia and the details and the stuff you have to wrestle with in order to get this thing off the ground. I mean, mm. it seems like it's essentially a full-time job for the period of time you're working on it to get it to get it going. Well, that period of time, you know, the first year we did it was a couple of months of work. And now it stretches till we start I I start in January. You know, how I start in November after the the last one just making inquiries and calls and and starting to put it together. And when you're dealing with international artists and the way people plan their tours a year ahead of time, sure, you've got to throw in with some of these guys really early and start building a plan around it. And, you know, even the visa immigration department here in the U.S., t- it, sometimes it takes five to six months to get these clearances, and you hear a lot of horror stories about that. But, yeah, I will say, I mean, what I've learned from just the DIY aspect of this, I'd never really, and I'd booked tours before, and gone on little tours but as far as building something like this you know learning about the insurance policies that you have to have and the you know the the backline the rental like you said the sure. minutia of how and then to learn all of the things that you take for granted about how a club works and how just turning the electricity on for a night puts some of these places in the red and you you know the bar minimums what they have to sell to you know it's just it's so much to learn and you realize this thing that you've been doing your whole life you get to look behind the scenes and see that's why you know money is so thin because it has to be spread out so far 
Right, so the dates of this year's event are... Uh, September 23rd and 24th at the Metro, and then we're doing a kickoff event on the 22nd at uh, Double Door, September and 22nd. i got to say, the headliner surprised me. Uh, which one? Stepping Westward. Oh, of the pre-party, yes. Yeah. We were all taken by surprise. It just happened that, you know, the other day I went out on a uh, with a, a friend who was in town playing a show, and he was doing a radio bit with uh, Walter Flakus, mm -hmm. who works at WKQX, and we just started talking about Stabbing Westward. My wife actually brought it up to him about the prospect of having them, you know, wouldn't it be great if you guys played Cold Waves one year? And he said, well, actually, we've been talking about doing this, you know, getting Stabbing moving a little earlier than we thought, and it just came together that we were still looking for an act to headline this kickoff event, and within 72 hours... He'd spoken to the rest of the band. We'd secured the place, and boom. Now we <laughs> have a, a, a pre-party that's rivaling the actual festival itself, which is fun. Uh, there are salsas here. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. I Everything was a dry. little dry. You got all of them, right? Uh, these are all three. So there's a like a green, a verde. I'm guessing this is this is probably the hot one. Maybe this is mole-ish. I don't know. I'm going to try this mole-ish one. So, all right. So stepping westward... 30-year anniversary. Yeah. I mean, do you remember, I mean, coming up in the scene in the 1990s, do you remember them? Absolutely. I remember, you know, us kind of being the junior version, chasing after them. You know, they were a few years older. It had started off, at, you know, playing places like the Avalon and, mm -hmm. and Club 950 and that, you know, and then we were just turning 21 when they had our, you know, and we were kind of chasing after them. I think we opened for them a couple of times and, you know, they were... Definitely a couple steps ahead, and then they got signed to a major, and it was just like, oh wow, if, if you know they can do it out of Chicago, and this music is exploding, and hell, all music was exploding then. It was really a magical time in Chicago, let let alone just the the universe of music. But oh, for in sure. Chicago, those early '90s were just spectacular. Now, I mean, looking back on that time, I remember quite vividly that, that schism, that divide in the community, where bands would look at a stabbing westward and say. Oh, screw them. I don't want our song on the radio. I don't want that. I don't want major label money propping us up. Where did Acumen sit back then? Oh, God. <laughs> we never even... We were very DIY and very underground. We never, you know, we never even got the luxury of flirting with a major. I mean, I think we we might have had someone in the house once in a while by accident, an A&R guy, and that, of course, was the night that somebody drank too much or the <laughs> shit got unplugged. I mean, that was just the story <laughs> of our life, and we we kind of accepted it. But, yeah, I mean, we worked with a lot. With You know, there was Slip Disc Records in Chicago for yeah. a little while. We, you know, we worked with them, and we worked with Fifth Column, which was put ChemLab on the map, and, you know, we had our share. We were definitely gutter dwellers and, and enjoyed it for the most part. But you, I mean, you have... Through sheer force of will and music, here you are in 2016. You're still doing it. And you have this interesting new aspect to what you do besides, you know, running a label, being in bands. You have this festival, which yeah. has turned into its own thing. It is. And it's really there every year. I mean, it gets a little easier, but it's still very difficult to enjoy the success of it because you're constantly reminded that this shouldn't even be happening. I mean, it's. Yeah. It's really hard to get excited about it, and everybody has a real somber aspect to it from time to time. But then, it, then you realize that, you know, get busy living or get busy dying, and you realize the gift that Jamie gave to this community in general. And so many people found their their musical careers kind of like kicked into, 
gear again and friendships that restarted and and now chicago has this thing that is kind of being envied across the country as like you know this industrial festival that really pays homage and respect to the few you know the past of of, of wax tracks and of medusas and chicago track studios and you know the the corner of Belmont and Clark, the now deceased Punkin' Dunkin' Donuts, the alley that that whole thing that we all grew up with that was starting to fade. You know, really found a a new voice with this this Cold Ways Festival, and we try to we try to kind of curate it in a way that that pays lot. You know, homage to the classic Godfathers of this music, but at the same time tries to always introduce new, innovative young bands that are trying their hand at the scene. You know, and and introduce people to that. Chicago really loves its old school music, though. There's there's other communities and across the country that support industrial music, and some of them support really brand new bands or really a gothic style of it. You know, there's different sort of little bends to the genre, but Chicago is classic late '80s. Like it, it loves so is. that late '80s style. That's what everybody comes out for. You know, and it's it's. I'm glad that we're we have the opportunity to work now with some of these artists and managers and wax tracks and whoever to like bring people out that no one thought they would see again you know when we we did severed heads and papa lead itself last year i mean they hadn't graced this country's shores for 20 years and people just couldn't even believe it in fact i don't think we sold a lot of tickets as much as i thought until people knew they were on the soil and they're like shit it happened they're here okay i believe it <laughs> i still love papa eat itself and you said it for for those of us of a certain age i mean wax tracks was that was it. It was the loudest place on earth. Yeah. It was the coolest. I mean, the first record that I ever bought in the industrial genre was a 12-inch by Front 242 called Commando, and it was 100% bought because of the artwork. I just, like, thought... I walked into that place for the first time. I saw... I thumbed through dozens of albums. I picked that one out and just said, this has to be good. I don't know. I gotta try it. And from then on, my life was changed. If Jamie were to see what this has become, what what you've created and how it's evolved and all the people who've thrown in with this, what do you think he'd say? Uh, that's a tough one. I, I think, you know, he'd, he'd say that, it, you know, it was possible all along. And it's just, you know, he was always pushing people to do better, to work harder. He'd always drop what he was doing to make, you know, people happier. Holy shit, that's spicy. <laughs> <coughs> Yeah, and you loaded it on, dude. <laughs> well, I didn't realize it was that devastating. Whoa! That's good. <clears throat> but, you know, we all we all kind of, like, were in awe of how hard he worked. And I, there's funny stories of, on the road with him that he would constantly help out the bands before us or the opening bands to sound, like, amazing because he just couldn't bear to see them stumbling without a engineer or whatever. So these, these bands would go on, Jamie would do sound for him, and then we'd go on with the house guy who would just wake up from a nap. We'd sound like shit, and I'd be like, Jamie, my God, you're always helping everybody else. And now look at what we have to deal with. And, you know, he, he would have, I think he would have been overjoyed at this, and he, he would have been just as involved as, as I am. And the irony is that it just, you know, he, I have to look at it in a way that he gave this to everybody, and we're going to do our best to, to make it as big and wonderful for people as possible. Those are some really good memories, just the supporting the other musicians. Yeah. He he just couldn't sit by and not make something better, you know. So looking at this year's lineup, uh, you have the Cox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're hurting yourself. I think I just breathed. Where's your water, dude? 
Please don't here, no, don't put that there. That's going to be disastrous. Hey, put that right on the uh, audio. Yeah, put it right on the recorder, the open container of thick salsa. That's a great idea. Yeah, the Cox is a fun get because, I mean, the retro spectacle that Wax Trax did in 2011 was a huge event for everybody to see, kind of this incarnation of the Volting Cox. But, you know, speaking of Wax Trax in those early days, that first album, that big sexy land record, that, I mean, that was the thing that got me hooked from the beginning, and that was kind of difficult to ever imagine, you know being put together again and there's been years of legal wrangling and split ups between the members of that band or whatever and oh Jesus following Connolly on, on social media he's he's been very thinly veiled about his uh, Jorgensen issues oh yeah I mean it goes deep for a lot of these guys they're they feel like that that you know this is that they'll never go back to you know this is the way we're doing it is the only way any of them would agree to do it to tell you the truth so um, uh, meat beat yeah, maybe Manifesto. I've been bugging Jack Dangers for three years now. Since we were in year two, I would send his manager and him a, a polite email inquiring about and you know what they were up to. And I'd always was told, well, they're on a bit of a hiatus. And this year, we finally got the phone call back, and That's it's going to awesome. be it's their first show in five years, and we were the ones that are going to be able to do it. Uh, and who? All right, so who else? And then Clock DVA is another real you know mystery from the old, super old, late late eighties. Early '80s, even you know, kind of wax track style catalog, real innovators of electronic music. I mean, it's been 20. They I, they were here in 1992, 93, I think. I mean, that that's 23 years. And and uh, again, they've been trying over the past few years to get over here and just hurdles, financial oh, yeah. immigration, and finally we just put a plan together for them and said here, and we we've, we've handled everything for them. We you know the immigration, the international flights, the routing, and you know so we put a whole tour together for them. That's awesome. Now, if people want to go and they should I mean what you're doing here is awesome uh, how do they get tickets or w- w- the website is uh, the website's coldwaves.net and it's um, you know tickets can be purchased through the metro box office and um, you know we, we I never really it's it's kind of hard to just blurt out you know and he, I still have trouble talking about it but you know Jamie passed away he was a victim of his own hand and he was a victim of suicide and from the moment that we started working on this festival, the first thing was to raise money for his family and and through the help with of Cubby Bear and Bottom Lounge and everybody, we put a lot of money together for his funeral expenses. And then, again, that was so successful in a way, we said, what can we do to keep this going? And we worked with a charity called Hope for the Day, which is a, a suicide prevention and awareness charity. And we had a few years running with them. But then recently, you know, Chicago lost another sound engineer, a woman by the name of April McDane. You know, we lost uh, Bob Pop, was a beloved sound guy a couple years ago. There's a, recently there's been a rash of, of bouncer shootings in in the news. We, you know, there's just there's a high degree of of neglect that goes on to with our service community, and and by that I mean our late night, you know, bar employees, bar backs, bouncers, sound engineers, crew. A lot of these people make very little money. A lot of these people don't have benefits or insurance, and these are our our friends and our family, and we've been seeing a real lack of help. So. We shifted gears and worked together with a bunch of people to, to form a different charity. This charity is called Darkest Before Dawn, and it's specifically built to be a support and community for evening workers who find themselves alone at 4 in the morning when everything is closed, when there's no support system, when it's dangerous, the streets are dark. I mean, mentally, there's a lot of research to show that this sort of 
homecoming for people is a difficult, lonely time. The rest of us, we get off at work and look at everybody's walking around. Yeah, the, the sun's still out. Everyone's kind of bouncing as they're walking down the street. No, you're absolutely right. You can be as misanthropic as you want to be, but you're still surrounded by humanity that just gives you this tiniest bit of, of like shared experience. You're alone, this community that has just spent the last five or six hours serving some of the most obnoxious human beings on the planet, and they get off of work, and it's late, it's, it's dark, and they're alone, and a lot of the people get plunged into a real ripe for you know depression and for addiction and for issues with, with, with suicide. So we have started to work in a way that we can provide community and support. We're going to find a way, you know, we're going to build a, there's going to be a hotline, there's going to be a web community group, and especially a resource facility where people can learn about healthcare and, you know, find resources for people that, that work these odd shifts that can't, whether it's even finding a dental practice that'll see them at an odd hour, anything that we can do to start helping this community that seems to be kind of left by the wayside when it comes to, you know, their well-being. You're an interesting guy in that you see something that needs fixing and you're kind of driven to to get to the other side. Yeah, I, I, that that I mean that's it's difficult. You think setting up this festival was difficult. Now we're putting oh, together a charity. a charity. Oh gosh, I can't imagine. Slogging through the 50, 60 pages of, of you know, you have to, this you know, we've set it up. It's built as a corporation, but to get the, you know, next thing is to get the standing with the IRS and start fundraising and building and finding ways to, to help the community with, you know, putting our, the donation and the hard work with Cold Waves, but also with multitude of other fundraisers if we can, you know, service industry nights and ways to, to build donations to help this, this group out, whether that's, you know, maybe when, when a member of this community, whether it's a bouncer or somebody is in trouble, maybe there's a way that we can raise funds and help these, you know, these underinsured and, and help people with, with whatever we can. I'll tell you, it's interesting. I've, I've never been so far down that path, but you know, I've worked overnight shifts. I've worked bar shifts till four in the morning. It is a lonely place working those hours. When you come home, it is rough. So I, I absolutely see the value in what you're doing. Good. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are very. Uh, you know, we met with Joe Shanahan, and he at gave Metro. us at Metro. He gave us his blessing. Everybody we've talked to said this is a good thing. This is definitely. Lacking, and if anybody wants to visit the website, it's in its infancy right now. It's db4d.org, four being the number, and uh, it's just a simple page. And we're starting to build it. And we're starting to build, get resources and funding to try to, again, build these chat rooms for people who are part of this community. I don't know how many times I've gotten up for work six in the morning, and I see a couple of my friends two hours prior home from their shift. Anybody on Facebook? You know, I'm, and you think like, oh man, I'm sorry. I wish I had been there for you. Imagine a community that was built with people who were all getting off at that time. I mean, there's just, if I, I wonder, I mean, Jamie passed away in the wee hours of the night, and it was, a, you could tell it was a lonely situation. Mm-hmm. And we we have to bear that memory for the rest of our lives. And I'm not saying that this organization would have saved him, but God damn it, it would have been there, and it, and it wasn't there before. So, you know, we, we hope that we will be able to help people with it. Thinking back on you, musically, my God, your time is divided right now, but what's next for you as a musician? This bite of food. <laughs> is it this huge? I only ask questions when you have a huge mouth of food. Well, hmm. And it, well, as you, as you think about that, I do want to say, as you're talking about your charity, my idea, you should have a podcast. I hear podcasts are uh, 
are going pretty well right now. Oh yeah, I mean, I heard of people doing it in their cars with what? Mexican food. No, it's true. No, that would no one would do that. But it'd be an interesting <laughs> way to hear other voices and stories, way to communicate with that community. Yeah, just I mean, think it out loud. Anything like that. We, I mean, I haven't been in the. I, I mean, I used to wait tables and bartend. It's another aspect of it is a lot of people when they are older and still doing that position, nobody goes into that that line of work and says, this is my career. Right. You go into so that true. line of work and you think, this is going to be temporary. This is going to be something that I'm going to do for a little while and then something's going to happen. And you wake up one day and you're in your 30s and some of your friends have started to move on and get married and have families and you're the one who's still doing the night shift. It it It's hard. And I think you hit it on the head. Anything we can do where people can volunteer their own ideas. I'd like to build this and then sort of step back and let the community Tell you what it run it. Yeah. And we right now we have a questionnaire up at that at that db4d.org site um, inviting anybody in the service industry to help us out and give us suggestions and what can we do to make it better so that it ultimately is a self-run entity in Chicago and then maybe other chapters start in other cities and it's just a support system for our night workers you know and that you can be a night worker on the third shift at a, a tech company it doesn't sure. necessarily have to be the service industry it's just that that is A, something that we're really close to, and B, it's such a poorly paid position from a benefit standpoint. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, come on. All right, Don't Eat, tell me about you as a musician. Uh, well, after Zara had its run, which was fun, we took a little break. I put this project together with Chris Connolly called Cockshire, which Revolting Cox, again, was his way of getting some unfinished business out of the way. You know, I think he always felt that the Revolting Cox stopped right when he was hitting his stride with it and Jorgensen turned it into a completely different project with completely different people and I think Chris still had this alter ego in him that had been dormant for so many years so he and I put out two full lengths and a 12 inch and an EP all in the span of a year we just went nuts and we <laughs> played some festivals we played some shows and it was it, I think it felt great for both of us um, and then I just released an album a couple of weeks ago with my buddy Sean Payne from the band Cyanotic it's called uh, Vampire Anvil and it's a much more like emotional, tinged electronic attack, and it has some some pretty deep concept album themes in it. And that's just again for fun. You got to get it out of your system. Are you one of those guys who just can't stop? Like you just don't turn it off? I guess. I guess. And I'm in my 40s now, and I keep looking at my watch. Well, I don't wear a watch, but if I did, I'd be like, "Is this out of the system yet? It's time at some point." But then maybe it just never does leave the system, and you're a slave to always having to you know do something and that's why seeing the other side of things i never fancied myself a fucking promoter or an agent or whatever and now doing those jobs and realizing i can do those jobs so much better than the people that never had the perspective of being sure. in a band and i know exactly what it means to get a hot meal to get the, the 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 towels that everyone blows off i know exactly what it means to get the thing that most promoters will will ignore in your writer and i, I like no i know how important that is and make sure that everybody gets it and everybody gets treated with a little bit more respect than they're used to. I mean, that's that's what I want out of this. And and who knows what could grow from that. But, yeah, it's fun to be on the other side now and help other people. So, again, coldwaves.net? Yes, coldwaves.net, September 23rd and 24th at the Metro with bands like Meepy Manifesto, Clock DVA, The Revolting Cox, Pig, uh, God, many, many, many more. It's nuts. It's, it's a great lineup. Built and then, for uh, right reasons. Then we're doing. Uh, we even we're doing for the first time ever. We're taking over the whole building, so Smart Bar is going to be involved, and we're doing after hour shows. Sense. Yeah. So now, 
Some uh, the last thing I forgot to mention is the last couple of years we've had these awesome sponsors. We've had Revolution Brewing and Kumas, which are two Chicago icons yeah, slam of food dunks. and beer. Yeah, and they will well, not you know Revolution will offer specials throughout the building, but Kumas is going to set up again a food truck or a situation outside so you can go to metro go to this long festival see these bands and then take a break and get a fat kumas burger and now you can sit in smart bar watch a, a live broadcast of the show and eat a burger at the bar i mean that's amazing it's the indoor festival for this kind of music because face it yeah. this kind of music doesn't breed a lot of people going outside no it song. needs to be in, in darkness yeah but you also have to eat you also have to sit, maybe sit down. <laughs> and if you're, we want people there for six hours. And it's like, man, I wouldn't go to this fucking thing. My back, I'd be dying after two hours of standing there. I like, I need to sit down. I love Metro, but man, there's no chairs in that place. So now we got Smart Bar. And now you can have that experience. And I think it's going to be a lot better for people. That is fantastic. Thank you so much for enjoying uh, some Mexican food. Mm-hmm. With me. Thank you. It was delicious. This was awesome. And uh, if you're listening to the show and you think, hey, this is all right, uh, tell a friend. Carconcarney.com is the website. Carconcarney. At Carconcarney <laughs> on the Twitter. And uh, if you feel so motivated, uh, Patreon.com. There's a link on Carconcarney.com uh, to help support the future of car based food podcasting. Thanks for listening. <laughs>